With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor... We had some notable Sabres debuts happening in the first game back from the holiday slash COVID shutdown as the Sabres took on and eventually ended up losing to the New Jersey Devils. And we are now recording this after that game and with the Islanders in town on Thursday night. But as I had said before, some notable debuts for the Buffalo Sabres on Wednesday night. That's right. Um, Because of COVID and all the guys that are still out with COVID, uh, we got our first look at Peyton Krebs who is the big prize in the Jack Eichel deal. Alex Tuck, a local guy kind of from Syracuse, also the second biggest prize in the Eichel deal. Someone that'll be around here for a while. He's back from injury. So he's in the lineup permanently. Uh, And then JJ Paterka made his NHL debut. And so did uh, Ethan Prow, who was in because Miller is also out. Uh, So interesting first game. Uh, I assume three of those guys figure pretty big into the Sabres future plans. Uh, Tuck is here for at least the next five years, I believe, or four years after this. The other two are tearing up the AHL right now and are very highly touted prospects. And a lot of the Sabres, uh, whatever future success they might have, will rest at least partly on how those guys develop. So what did you think uh, in their first action, which was a 4-3 loss to the New Jersey Devils? Well, I think just like looking at the game as a whole, the big takeaways for me were in the like macro sense, the first and third periods were all about the devils. They dominated, but the second period was when the Sabres really felt cohesive and it felt like they were playing the style that Don Granado was trying to get them to. So now talking about the guys specifically who made their debuts, I liked what I saw from all of them. When you look at one tuck who was playing his first game this season after, you know, having to deal with an injury for the first part of the year. And then you look at Krebs and Paterka, Krebs, of course, had some NHL experience under his belt with Vegas. Paterka, this is his first game. So each of these guys, though, coming into this, you know, you knew it was probably going to take a little bit for them to really kind of find their footing and and get up to speed, we'll say. But I think that each of the three of them showed pretty dynamic qualities as to why they are going to be really solid long-term pieces with this team. So starting off with Krebs, the, the elder statesman of the three, who is still very, very young. And along with Krebs were the two kind of main pieces of this deal. Alex Tuck, I thought put in a pretty solid game yesterday. Um, Really more than, I mean, he had an assist, which was great on the Tage tip in on the first goal, which was awesome. Good to see him get his first point in his first game as a Sabre. 
but but even still like you know it's going to take a little bit of time like tucks potential we'll say as being like you know for us i mean he's going to be like a top line winger at the worst a top six winger i mean this is a guy that you're looking at that's going to be like a 60 70 point guy so he's going to be a major producer on this team again though with that being said he is coming back from injury so i'm willing to give him a little leeway and i was more so just looking for him to just to pick up on some of like his skill set, how he plays, how he meshes with the guys, what really his defining traits are. And a lot of the things that we had been told about with him, I felt really kind of follow through and you could see in his performance, mainly how strong he is on the puck. Him like along the half walls in the offensive zone, there was a couple of times where he he had the puck and it was like, there was not a defender that was going to take it away from him. And I thought that that's a really strong quality to have because you could have a guy who's maybe good at hanging on to the puck in his off in the offensive zone and like maintaining possession. But from that, he was able to create plays. It wasn't like he would have the puck and then he'd go into a battle and it'd get taken away, or he just tried to like chip it out to get it off of his stick. You know, he would be able to go into a battle. He would win a battle, whether it was him going after it and like trying to get the puck from somebody or somebody trying to take the puck from him. Um, and just his general, I guess the way that he just kind of like flowed on the ice, like his positioning, I felt like was really sound too. Um, you know, it feels like he kind of knows the role that he's being asked to step into with being one of like the guys on this team, if not the guy among the forwards. So it, it was really cool to kind of see him. Like I said, one where he has like this really strong puck protection. And then on top of that two positioning, positionally I feel like he's like very very sound and that gives me a lot of hope for him for the future and I just think from watching him I mean obviously we have to see what happens but his kind of power forward style I think is going to be perfect for this team that has so many younger guys that are more of like the skill base coming up through the ranks which then leads me into Paterka and Krebs so Krebs first um because I want to say Paterka for last because I think I was probably the most pleased with his game last night of the three. Not that I wasn't pleased with, with, with Krebs and, and Tuck, but as far as Krebs go, I mean, man, his skating is as good as advertised. I caught a couple of games earlier this year when he was with Vegas and immediately that was the thing that jumped out to me with him. He wasn't putting up points for them, but you could just see like this guy is a burner and it's interesting because I think when we talk about like a guy like Jeff Skinner, for example, we don't talk about his, his breakaway speed, but we more so talk about how shifty he is and his maneuverability with Krebs. He has that combination where he is incredibly fast. Like he has quick feet, his like a solid stride and just his, his breakthrough breakaway speed is rock solid. And then you throw into the mix though, that he has that shiftiness that kind of reminded me of Skinner. Like, when Skinner does it, it works because he's very smooth and he's graceful with his skating with Krebs when he's getting shifty like that. I mean, the guy is just like flying and it looks like he's just like moving at hundred miles per hour, not necessarily his like straight line speed, but how quick he's able to maneuver and adjust to the way that he's skating and using his edges. And that is especially apparent with the puck on his stick too. I felt like there was a couple of instances where he had the puck either coming through the neutral zone or even in the offensive zone where he has the puck on a stick there. And there was one rush in particular where they're in the offensive zone and he's, he's skating up along the boards with it, like coming back towards the blue line. And he skated along the opposing blue line, like just handling the puck on a stick. And obviously the defenseman adjusted accordingly, like shifted accordingly to like give him the space to let him do that. And he was just stick handling along the blue line in the way that he like, just giving these like quick fakes. It, it was 
remarkable. And it's, I got to tell you, and I'm not even just saying it, like I have not seen many guys in a Sabres uniform be able to have that kind of speed with the puck on their stick like that. You know, when you look at a, like even, not that I'm making a comparison in, or anything like that, but you look at a guy like Eichel. Eichel's thing was that he had a crazy long stride, and that is what really propelled his speed. I mean, Eichel's one of the fastest skaters in the NHL, but it, he's not the prettiest looking skater. Sam Reinhardt, great, great with the puck on his stick, but he's not really a fast skater. You know, but with Krebs, it was like just dynamic speed with the puck on his stick. And like, Eichel is able to play keep away because of his stride and everything with Krebs. It's like, you're just not going to take it from me because of how fast I am. So that I think is really great. I, I mean, I think it's going to come in time with him and getting more acclimated to the game. I, you know, they traded for him with the hope of him being a center. He could play center of the wing. Um, I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I want him to keep getting a look here because I, I really not even just being opt optimistic. I think that Krebs is going to be a real player. I think he has the tools and I think that his raw talent is just so solid that it's not going to take as much for him to put it together in the way that it would with a guy like Casey Middlestad, for example, where it took him some time and he's still putting it together now. <clears throat> but Casey's thing is that he has this great raw talent and it's just a matter of him applying it to the ice and seeing if he can really, you know, use that to his advantage at the NHL level in Krebs's case. I think it's going to come a little bit easier to him just because I, I mean, his just his skating ability is just and so off the charts and, and the same goes for his stick handling. We'll see what happens as he gets a little bit more of a look and to get more of a more playing time in there, but really liked what I saw from him. And then finally the guy who of the three major ones who made their debut, no offense to Ethan pro the guy who impressed me the most though, was JJ Paterka. Our, our friend Kevin Knight Rider on Twitter, he made a great point in the tweet that I, I was like thinking about how I wanted to like describe what it was that I liked about Paterka's game because there was so much in there. But what Kevin had said was something to the effect of like Paterka's a guy that you don't even need to like try and like quantify what he's doing well. You just watch him and you know that he's going to be good. And that is from, and that, that's first. also, I would say, did you feel that way during the preseason too? I kind of felt that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. I mean, you and I both were pretty high on him in the preseason and just talking about how good he looked. We both thought that he needed to go to Rochester, of course, to get some seasoning, but man, if he plays how he like for the rest of his stint here, how he played last night and can do that at a consistent level, they're going to have a hard time sending him back down because of how good he really looked. I mean, on his first shift, he skates the puck into the neutral zone, gets a shot attempt. It didn't end up making it on net, but it was just that aggressiveness. Then on his second shift, he comes out and he has an, a great takeaway in the neutral zone. So it's like right off the bat, this guy is just setting the tone. Then, I, I mean, he's not as fast as Krebs is, but he is a hell of a skater. He has a, a level of like offensive creativity to him that is rooted in confidence. Like he tries stuff that guys who are NHL veterans try, but rookies don't normally try. Paterka gets the puck on a stick and just watching him, it was almost as though he's just trying to do stuff. And he's just like, I'm just going to do this because I can do it. Like there, there's no, you know, getting used to phase here. Like I can do this. So I'm going to try. And really what more do you want out of a prospect than that? You know, having that level of confidence and that attitude towards the game in your first NHL regular season appearance to be able to, to play to that level. And, and with that stature was just 
so encouraging to see. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess that's really the big thing that just like it comes back to for me is that his confidence just radiates off of him when he's out on the ice. And again, like as for young players, that's not something that you necessarily see as much, you know, you'll see guys, um, you know, who have maybe a little bit more raw talent and they'll show flashes of that, but they could be a little timid at times. Paterka, I, I, and I'm sure there's maybe something I'm missing, but there was not one shift where I noticeably was like, uh, I don't know. That wasn't great. Like he looked consistently good throughout the game, even though the Sabres were losing the battles in the first and the third period. And the second period is when they really shine through um, Paterka. I thought, all in all was just excellent. I could not be happier with his debut and I am beyond excited to see where this is going to go with him. You know, I think that one of the prevailing thoughts I had yesterday too, just to kind of wrap up, I know I've been going here for a bit, but one of the things that was really encouraging is, you know, these past 10 years throughout this playoff drought, they're really hasn't been any instances that I could think of, of, guys like this of prospects like this coming up through the ranks that we are like this level of, of really excited about Eichel and Reinhardt don't really count for this because they were first and second overall pick same thing with Darlene like these guys are highly touted out of the gate we knew that they were going to be good in one way or another but within that it's something that we've talked about with the Sabres atrocious draft history there has not been a lot of opportunities for guys to come up through the ranks that we can get really psyched about like who is uh, like a guy that comes to mind who like you and I both were really excited about is somebody to the level of like, like Will Borgen, who is like a good <laughs> bottom four defenseman. Like right, he, I, we thought he would be rock solid, but like never to the effect of where we have guys like Krebs and Paterka and eventually now Quinn too, where they're coming up and we're like, Oh man, like we may have something here with like legitimate top six guys, top four, you know, like, so yeah. for me, I just came away, even though they lost yesterday, I went into yesterday's game with the same approach that I've gone into with this season, which that, which is that it's not necessarily about wins and losses. It's about seeing the development on the ice, seeing the growth of these players and giving them a chance to shine. And yesterday, even though they ended up losing to their credit, they did battle back and tie the game up in the second. But what I was, I cared far more about how good Krebs and Paterka looked than I did about them losing that game. And, and thankfully that was the case. Like they both looked great. And I felt, I feel like honestly, probably more excited for next season than I have at any point throughout this season, just from seeing them yesterday. Yeah. You know what I was thinking, actually, the last time we had guys coming up that weren't like top two picks that we're like excited about would be like Oh five Oh six. Cause it was like Vanek. Vanek was a fourth overall pick. So I guess maybe that doesn't count, but like Roy Pominville, Vanek and Dostad all came up the same year. And that was also the year I think Miller technically qualified as a rookie for the first time. Mm-hmm. So big year. We've talked about it before, <laughs> but Sabres fans might remember it was a fun year. Uh, but I did want to give a quick shout out to Ethan pro uh, not really a prospect, but his first NHL game and he scored a goal. Uh, this comes after a, uh, more than 100 games in the USHL, about 150 games uh, at St. Cloud State, about 250 games in the AHL, a few games in the ECHL, and then last season he played for Munich EHC in the DEL. I don't know what that is. So good for him, 29 years old. It's a German European league, I think. 
That's not good then. That's yeah, no. It's not one of the it's not the KHL or this or the Swiss League or the Swedish League. Right. It's yeah, that's like on like the next tier down where it's like the like that and like there's like the one national league that I think covers like Austria or something, and then there's like the extra liga too. Okay, um, so good so on like him a, for scoring an NHL goal. Well, it's a, no, like guys from the NHL like come out of there, but I mean not, you know, guys who are 28 at the time playing there. Like yeah. you have like 18-year-olds who are playing in that. Like that's like leg- a legitimate place where guys can come from. But I will yeah, say to like, Ethan Pro's credit, for you and I, Taylor, we're 28 and 27 respectively. This means that we have one and two years left for us to try and reach our first NHL goal. So this gives me a little bit of hope for life. Like uh, if somebody could score their first NHL goal at 29, why can't we? Bad news. Ethan is only less than two months older than me. Oh, no. So. Oh, no. And I haven't even been to Germany. But, I mean, it is pretty cool for him. I mean, he'll be gone as soon as Miller's healthy. But he, a couple years ago, had 50 points in 74 games for Scranton Wilkesbury. Didn't even see a game as a call-up. Went to play for the Springfield Thunderbirds the next year. Kind of a decline. Well, 32 points in 42 games. Season gets cut off because of COVID. And he doesn't get a deal in the AHL last year. That's kind of surprising. Has to go to Germany. Uh, plays 26 Crazy. games in that league. And then the Sabres sign him. And look at that. He's he's scoring a goal in the NHL in his debut. So that's a nice little story for him. For he'll him, he'll always have that. Uh, and then hopefully he'll be good for, let's say, maybe a playoff run or something in Rochester this year. Absolutely, yeah. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah. So the Sabres are finally back. That was their, that was their first game in about 10 days. I mean – it had been a while. They were supposed to play Columbus, I believe, last Monday and last Thursday and did not. And they were supposed to play Colorado last Wednesday and did not. And then I believe they were supposed to play on Monday this, this past week. And they also didn't because uh, the NHL shut down. So, but yeah, so they're playing again today. Tonight, they're at the Islanders for their last game of the year. And that'll be, you know, the Islanders have not been good this year. So that's another opportunity for these uh, these young fellows to shine. I don't know if anyone will be back. And then uh, Rude Awakening on um, New Year's Day. We got a 1 p.m. game at the Boston Bruins, who the Sabres have really struggled with this year and last year and much of the last decade. So, yeah. Very true. Very true. But it's it's cool to have some young fellows in the lineup, so looking forward to see more of them. I so, know. A scary laxman got promoted to the taxi squad. I don't know if they'll see any game action, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in for a game or two just to kind of see where he's at. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. No offense to uh, Brandon Biro, but I'm not as excited that he got uh, called up. But, you know, no. is what it is. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I don't think this was the case last time we talked, but, yes, there are pra- uh, taxi squads again, which is – it's good. Yeah, absolutely. It, the NHL had to change its protocol – uh, because because everything that basically has been going on in the country for the past, I don't know, month or so, I guess. It's uh, it's an interesting thing. It's so, not good. <laughs> no, I mean, World Juniors got canceled. Uh, Owen Power couple... off to a great start there. That was sad. Yeah, they were too scared of what Owen Power was going to do. True. And his future teammate, Connor Bedard. Yeah, wow. How about that guy? Good Patrick, Lord. Young, yeah, crazy. I saw the, the stat, like the best 16 year olds at world juniors. So obviously he was doing as low as like Crosby and McDavid did maybe even a little bit better through the first few games. But did you see Gretzky average three points a game as a 16 year old? Just that's wild. It's so it's dumb. Like, like that's crazy. That, yeah. That's fun, man. What a guy. Crazy, crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. You think they pull out a W tonight against the Islanders though? 
Yeah, we're calling it. 3-2 win over the Islanders. Love that. You think any of Tuck, Paterka, or Krebs is going to get their first goal? Let's go with Tuck's first goal as a saber. I love that. Yeah. So last time we talked, I wanted to clear, not clear up. I thought of this like basically when we were done. This is last week before Christmas, we talked about not going to the Olympics and what that means and the potential of having a world cup. I didn't say this during it, but I, I should be said the world cup should not be NHL only if they do it again. Mm -hmm. So it should be guys should be able to play from other leagues. Yeah, I agree. I mean, last time it was NHL only. That's why they had to do team Europe because they couldn't fill out the smaller European countries. I don't mind team Europe as a concept. And I don't mind, I don't mind a team North America of U 23s, but maybe you could just make a team Europe of U 23s and then a team North America of U 23s and then just have the other countries. I, mean, I don't know. Like that could be kind of the fun. European countries. A team U 23 team from Europe would be really interesting to put that together. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. We say that too, because I, uh, like was thinking about it too. Like after that episode, there was like, I was, we had talked about with like some of like the younger guys, like going into teams. Like I know I mentioned like Lucas Raymond and Alex Holtz um, from Sweden and uh, Maurice Sider for, for Germany. But I mean, there are just, there's, there's so much solid youth in the league right now. Um, and I think something like that would absolutely work like a hundred percent. I would be really, really interested to see how else they'd be able to fill that out. Like yeah. to, I mean, you have like Elias Pedersen. Is he even uh, 23 yet? Like, I don't think he is. Um, I mean, Darlene isn't yet. You have Tim Stutzel too, for thinking of other, like for Germany, Heiskanen uh, for Finland. Uh, God, who else we got? <laughs> Um, isn't Nikas from some Martin Nikas from where the hell is, I, I forgot where he's from, but, um, your boy Capo Caco, <laughs> William Eklund, like there are just yeah. a lot of really, really good young guys in the league right now. And I, I would be curious to see how a U23 team would be for like a team. Maybe we should do that for an episode soon. See if we could make like the, we, we could do like a 2023, like, U23 Europe and North America team. That could be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Hmm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have to think about that. I'm sure there's a lot of guys we're missing. Um, but well, so, I think then, too, we would have to take into account, like, when it comes to um, how guys from North America weren't allowed to be on, like, obviously, USA or Canada. Like, would that exclude then guys who are under 23 from – Sweden and Finland, or would they be allowed to be on their respective country rosters? That's a good point, actually. Yeah, that wouldn't be very fair. Yeah, that's my only thought with that. But either way, it would be a fun exercise to do. Maybe it's okay. Let's do this. We're just coming up with ideas for future episodes on here. Rather than thinking about it from like a World Cup perspective, we should look at that as we each get to make a team one North America U23, one Europe U23 to face off against each other, not for the, the, for the sake of like being in like a tournament, but doing like, who would be better U 23 North America or U 23 Europe and having everybody huh. Finland, Sweden, all the other countries too, like thrown in there. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I used to like it when the NHL did like North America versus the world for the all-star yeah. game. That's a cool concept. They should bring that back. 
That would Get be rid cool. Of three on three. Three on three is tired now. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really like that idea. I wonder if they ever would do that just to try and switch it back up. I think it would at the very least would get people more engaged with the all-star game because I think interest in that has gone down pretty steadily. Like I remember when they first brought back like the skills competition. And I think that that really generated a lot of interest from people and people were really into it. But even that, like they haven't really tried to like grow upon it, I guess, in a way. So I would, I mean, anything that they could do, I think to get people re-engaged with the all-star game and all-star weekend in general, I am all in favor of, Let, let's start a petition to get the NHL to bring back North America versus the world. Cause that would be cool. And bring back those jerseys too, the teal and purple. Those were sweet. Yeah. Do you remember oh, those sure. ones? Like the star ones? Those were. Yeah. Um, so also uh, what's going on with Olympic hockey now? <laughs> Going to happen. Yep. What's that? Is it going to happen? I mean, just in I'm general? men's hockey, I should say. Yeah. Like, are they going to do what they did last time? It's kind of know. a short turnaround time. I know Bobby Ryan said he'd be interested in playing for Team USA. Sign him up. Let's do it. Get Ryan Miller in there. Let Miller play goalie. Can you imagine? Man, I did call that like two years ago, last year. Oh, year and a half my ago. God. Get Ryan Miller on the phone right now. Yeah. Get Brian Gianta. Oh, ba- wow. Okay. There Maybe not. <laughs> Steven he might, little, he might be a little bit past his uh his heyday yeah just get a bunch of young uh well you can't even say college guys that are like they should let ahl players go yeah that would be cool yeah oh well anyway women's <laughs> hockey still happening for now right that's good but even, isn't that in question too i mean I'm they're thinking uh, the, i'm thinking of the juniors actually for women yeah that got canceled women's yeah. world juniors Women's Olympic hockey is still on, uh, but worth noting that it just kind of seems like everything is going to get canceled. I mean, hopefully things are better in a month. I know Omicron in some places has peaked and gone very fast, but on the other hand, they're going to be in China. It's a different place. I don't know how, what their wave will be like or how things will go. Obviously, they're very strict with regulations. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, the thing is, with women's a bubble? Hockey, I don't I don't know. I mean, you'd, I think, have to, right? With that many people, you would have to do a bubble and just nobody in or out. You would think so, but they yeah. didn't do that for World Juniors. Did you see the World Juniors? Some of the countries are staying at a hotel that was hosting a wedding. <laughs> Not exactly a bubble, fellas. If only you all could see my face right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Poor no, planning. Not, not necessarily. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I think um, – the NHL, so things have changed. It's kind of a weird thing. For the 25 U.S. teams now, uh, the COVID, for positive cases, if they're asymptomatic, their isolation is shortened to five days based on CDC recommendations. But that's not the case for Canadian teams, which feels like actually a huge disadvantage for them. And, in fact, now they're rescheduling a lot of games that are in Canada to try to make them up later when they can have fans. So I think the rest of the season is going to be a mess schedule-wise. But you know what's not a mess, Brendan? Tell me. DraftKings. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's, That's right. <laughs> Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner at the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. What New customers can uh, – a winner that does not involve any kind of dinner because it's still lunchtime. Of the poultry variety, perhaps? Ooh, the poultry persuasion. <laughs> so – New customers can bet just $1 in any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. 
usually a team scores because the NHL got rid of ties in 2005. So, you know, someone's going to light the lamp. Mm. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can win. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There we go. Do you have any last thoughts that you would uh, like to discuss or share with our listeners, Taylor? Mm, I saw the Kurt Warner movie, if we want to talk sports movies. How was Uh, it? Well, it wasn't terrible. That's better than I feel like people were projecting. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as... um, hmm, I don't know how to put it. It's corny, very corny. Uh, It's not as in-your-face as I thought it would be about some things. But it's interesting. I mean, some of the time things that happen in it, you're like, not only did I know, so I know when something's happened in Kurt Warner's life because I'm a huge Kurt Warner guy. <laughs> but so most people won't know that. That's not a problem, movie wise. The problem is, guy. they yeah, they do a, a few things like with the timeline that you're like, oh, that's come on, <laughs> it's ridiculous, not possible. Even if you don't care about Kurt Warner's life or know nothing about it, you would just know that these, there's no way it happened like this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, did you hear about yeah. the new movie that's in development already? Uh, the Sean Payton movie? No, that there's a, a new spy thriller being developed starring Andrew Peters trying to figure out why nobody's <laughs> talking about the Jeffrey Epstein case. It's crazy. He just can't turn on any of the major news networks it's or insane. read the New York Times. It's, it's a shame, you know, like if he could read, he would probably like know that every single major news outlet has been covering it at length for years but you know like or for like the past years since everything kind of really dropped with that but you know we all can't be literate it's okay i like that he became a jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself guy a full 28 months after the guy died oh yeah he died I, in I mean, august 2019 but even like dude the thing is too is like even if you are like that like you could be one and i think most people like nobody would be like no like come on but like to then be like this is what covid is. like covid is a distraction so that we you know we, yeah. we killed almost a million people in this country alone just so we could distract from Jeffrey Epstein. Like, get the fuck one out guy. of here, you crackpot. Yeah. Oh, my Most God. COVID conspiracies fall apart because the whole world, uh, you know, has COVID and right. uh, it didn't start here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. tough. Tough on the conspiracy theory front. Unless yep. you think like the weapon thing, which I don't know. You can't prove or disprove that. So think whatever you want. But yeah, the Peters thing is weird because it's like, it basically comes down to there can't be two major news stories at the same time. Just can't handle it. Well, that's what I mean. That's why I was like, I, I watched that video that he put out today. And it like, at first I was like, he, he starts off by saying like, oh, bullshit about how COVID is just a distraction. Like, I don't want to hear anything more about COVID or Omicron. And I'm like, oh God, is he about to go into a whole anti-vax thing? And then he just goes into Jeffrey Epstein. I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Are you out of it's, your goddamn mind? Like it's so out of left field. This is what they like, don't want you to know. Even though everybody's talking about this all day, every day on the news, they don't want you to know this. Like get the yeah. Hell it's been a big story. Here. It was because B- the BBC had Alan Dershowitz on, uh, oh, and then a- immediately apologized 
I don't know what happened. Like an hour. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, sorry about that. Sorry, this guy was uh, accused of uh, many sexual crimes with Jeffrey Epstein and love hanging out on his island. Well, dude, so maybe we shouldn't have had him on the comment. Didn't he have, like, wasn't his one point that he made? And, like, I didn't watch it because I was just like, are you kidding me that they even had him on in the first place? But I thought I saw somebody suggest, too, that, like, he used Maxwell's conviction as a way to then try and prove his and Prince Andrew's innocence, like, on the air. And I'm like... BBC, you are normally great with journalistic standards and like practices. What are you doing? Yeah. So here's the thing too. But I mean, respect he, for them, I guess, for, not respect, but like very sarcastic pat on the back for immediately apologizing for this very stupid thing and saying you're going to look into something <laughs> that your own network set up. Like it's, it's insane. It's insane. Someone's it, getting suspended or fired for that. Oh, I mean, yeah. But yeah, he, so that's, if Peter's, you know, had a brain this is where he would the avenue he would take is the the scope of jeffrey epstein's alleged crimes are so wide and involves so many powerful people and you had all these people in their orbit from bill gates to bill clinton to donald trump uh all these people that were in his orbit kevin spacey mm-hmm. and and alan dershowitz and prince andrew and they just limited the scope to uh Ghislaine maxwell basically being uh the scapegoat you know well, not even a scapegoat, like that she was, you know, she set young girls up with him, which is true. But like the scope could have been so much larger. And I, I'm not naive enough to, to be like, why, why didn't they go after all these powerful people? I get it. But like, that's what Peter should be saying. Why, right. did, why are we not talking about that? Like one of the big reasons why this is all going on uh, back in, I'd say in like spring 2019, probably uh, the Miami Herald. It was Miami Herald at Tampa Bay Times. I think Miami Herald had a bunch of really good stories where they kind of dug back into Epstein's 06 conviction and what other things he was accused of. And there's a girl, one of the big stories went on record saying that uh, she was sexually assaulted by Alan Dershowitz. And that's one of the big stories that got the federal government back involved. Epstein uh, gets arrested, dies of some cause. And then the Maxwell stuff happens after that because then they need someone else to arrest. She was on the lam for a while. But yeah, it's... uh, Look, I would say this as an example. It's not proof of anything. It's just like proof of if if something Peters might think about the quote unquote elites that Maxwell's dad, who was like a spy for Israel uh, and also a very wealthy businessman at the same time, weird life. Uh, the last person to see him alive was our secretary of state, Anthony Blinken's dad. Why don't you use that as a conspiracy theory fodder? Why just be like, oh, COVID is a way to – no one believes that shit. Right. No one, no one so with the brain lazy. is going to believe that COVID is being used to cover up uh, the Glenn Maxwell trial. That's – Being extensively covered. Yes. Right. Like right. if I was a conspiracy guy, I'd say like Meyer Maxwell Holmes and uh, Juicy Small A, those, all those trials were at the same time. But – Honestly, they have nothing to gain in covering any of that up. The Maxwell yeah, stuff. Your, I mean, your it's original over. point is is a million percent right, though. It's like, and that's what's like. It was so funny going through like the replies, being like zero lies detected. Like this is so true. It's like you people all have brain worms. Like, please go outside and get some fresh air real quick. Oh my god, because because it's like you are right on the like like you're kind of alluding to and i think you kind of are it's like you're almost on the doorstep of like actually making a point but then you just say something that is so catastrophically stupid that it completely discredits the thing that you are again like right on the cusp of of connecting a couple of things but 
your own ignorance and stupidity is what just ruins everything. And then nobody takes you seriously. Right. And this is, I guess, to kind of connect it back to sports, when people engage with this or any kind of conspiracy theory, whether it's refs or whatever else, they want their worldview confirmed. So that's, mm-hmm. that's huge there. So that's when you start kind of, I guess, making up what you are picking and choosing what you believe. I mean, no proof of anything with just because you took a photo with Jeffrey Epstein or we're really good friends with him for many years doesn't mean you're necessarily guilty. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't look at it and say like one of these presidents, the two presidents that were friends with them, Democrat mm-hmm. and Republican, are any more suspicious than the other. Both incredibly suspicious. Both have been accused of uh, sex crimes outside of this. If you think one is less suspicious than the other, then you're just looking to have your worldview confirmed. Exactly. And frankly, the English language needs a, a word for the negative opposite of naivete. So being not, not being the opposite of naive, but not in a good way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. being naive, then the middle is being like reasonable and skeptical. And then there's being like way too skeptical without any good reason, like the opposite of naive. Mm-hmm. Just one word, so I don't have to Let's say way too one. skeptical for bad reason. Let's invent one. Yeah. We also, you know, we don't have a word for the opposite of loneliness. Do you know that? As it was a big Yale thing a couple of years ago. This girl, Marina Keegan, wrote in her farewell address at her newspaper. We don't have a word for the opposite of loneliness. And then she died. So it went viral. Wow. That's really sad. Is there really not? What's like, what would be like the closest thing? I don't know. I bet the Germans have a word. These guys have a word for everything. Yeah. Yeah, see? I mean, it's a feeling, though, loneliness. Friendship? Oh, feel. Oh, yeah. So, man. So, anyway, we got off on a tangent there. Wow. Anyway, when when something happens, sometimes news events or whatever, uh, something crazy enough like the Epstein story happens, it will allow your worldview to be altered a little bit. Don't retreat into your corner. That's that's our point here. And that will bring that back uh, to the Sabres when, you know, something someone like Tage Thompson uh, is leading the team in goals more than a third away through the year. A lot of us might have our worldviews changed. Wow. That was beautiful. Poetic, I would even say. Look at us bringing it back. Yeah. Now, Brennan, do you think the Omicron variant is a distraction from the fact that Tage Thompson's going to score 40 goals this year? Taylor, that's what the people don't want you to think. Like Gary Batman doesn't want you to know that the big boy is eating. Mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. It's the truth. It's all, it's a ruse. It's a distraction. And, you know, people don't want to know the truth. It's sad, you know, check out the Tage Thompson flight logs. It's all there. He flew from St. Louis to Buffalo and said, this is my team now after like two years, but <laughs> yeah, more than two years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Malcolm Gladwell also on the flights. Don't forget. Never forget. Whenever you hear Malcolm Gladwell saying something kind of weird or dumb flight logs. Did you watch? Don't look up. Yeah. Not good. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I love Adam McKay too. Yeah. He's, like one, I wouldn't, I don't know, if, you know, my favorite director, but like Anchorman, Step Brothers, the other guys, the big short vice, he took a lot of swings. You know, he went from the dumbest of dumb comedies to like vice really good movie. I thought not everyone loves it. I love it. Uh, and then the big short is great. Now they were both love nominated for best picture. Yep. Actually good director, executive producer of succession. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I don't know what he was doing here. 
It's way too long. It's not funny. It's completely on the nose. It's a fucking mess. The script is a disaster. You had a lot of, you had a great, they had a great cast too. Like I, I have a lot of the same criticisms of it that you had. I thought that like, they definitely, uh, script aside, they turned in some great performances from that. And I think True. like you said, it was a little bit too on the nose probably. And I think that there was a lot of points that they were like really leaning into stuff. I also just like, as a general complaint I have with just modern media, I don't think that I have ever seen one piece of media that has ever accurately or even successfully made like uh, a parody of a parody video. You know how like in that they do like the parody of Jennifer Lawrence's character um, and like make it into like a song and like other shows have done it too, like uh, plenty of them. I don't think I've ever seen one show though that or movie or anything like that where they've done something like that. And I've been like, Oh my God, that actually is kind of funny and would catch on all the stuff that I see is like, this is the, the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And nobody would ever make a video like that go viral. And that was like the takeaway. Like, it's just like cringy when people try and do that. Um, but really good performances though. I think, like you said, though, I, I think that's a good point. It was just like, because it was so on the nose with some of the stuff and just like the commentary of just like today's general media culture, political culture, all of that, like wrapped in, they just leaned into it like really, really hard. Um, which I think is what a lot of people didn't like about it, but the premise I thought was like good. I think that it is definitely like a good premise and relevant. I think it just could have probably used a better script given the fact that there was so much star power on that cast and, so many people turned in really great performances. I also love Kate Blanchett too. So yeah, yeah. Also good at Nightmare Alley. So and Ragnarok. Yeah. So she, th- there was a, like a, a few problems I had like with that movie, but like, man, like this is like a good example of something that was missing. Like I was watching the other guys recently, and the bit where Michael Keaton keeps quoting TLC, yeah, <laughs> doesn't know that he's quoting TLC. That's a great bit. And he also works at like a Bat Bath and Beyond and it's, yeah. you know, to make extra money, like fantastic stuff. I mean, you're missing that. And like, I think you also were missing in the big short and vice, which are based on true stories. Maybe that's where things went off the rails here. Like you miss the biting commentary part of it. Like you miss the, even the dramatic moments, like the ratings agency lady being like, yeah, we give, we give these uh, mortgages, that are shitty and going to fail, we give them good ratings. Otherwise the banks will go to someone else. They'll go to a different rating agency down the street, things like that, or in vice Janie becoming the guy he was. What you don't get in this is like anything that's that cutting, like you get like, okay, you get this Elon Musk stand in weirdo guy. And he, his, the idea is like his, you know, he's full of shit his tech fails and that's spoiler. I guess people are going to watch the movie. That's why the world ends because his his tech fails, and that makes sense. But it's also like, oh yeah, he built a spaceship uh, that can take all these people, um, put them in cryo sleep for like a hundred years or more, and fly no, them. It was it was twenty thousand years later. <laughs> oh, okay, so it was twenty thousand years, and then put them uh, in into a, another Earth like planet with oxygen, uh, and then also accurately predict your death. So well, he is the super genius or what? Like, it doesn't make any sense. They did it so a stupid joke will pay off. But like, 
dumb. And I think they didn't nail the Jonah Hill character at all. That was too many different types of annoying guy. It wasn't one type of annoying guy. Agreed on that for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, not great folks, but you know, what's great licorice pizza folks go see the licorice pizza. I haven't seen it yet. It's been getting great it's, reviews though. Yeah. It's a great time Two love. Heim. Not often you see a movie with uh, two lead actors making their film debut. Pretty solid. Who is the the guy? He's somebody's son, right? Yeah, it's Cooper Hoffman. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman's yeah, son. Yeah, wow. Okay, cool. Nice. And uh, Bradley Cooper's unbelievable in it. Oh, nice. Aren't all of the Heim sisters in it? The whole Heim family. whole in family. It. I think we talked about this, actually. All right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're oh, in it. And it um, Bradley Cooper plays the producer of the 1976 Star is Born. <laughs> no. Does he really? Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah. Too funny. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see that one for sure. If you want to go see it again, let me know. I'd go. Oh, I will do. Yeah, I will see it again. We should. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Straight Up Sabres and Straight Up Andrew Peters and Straight Up Movies. As always, we very much appreciate you tuning in. For those of you who are listening to our apologies, I know this episode came out a little bit late. We were dealing with some issues there, both scheduling and technical. So we are back with it now and with that being said we'll be back with a brand new episode first thing on monday morning but before that make sure you're checking out the presenters of this podcast the charging buffalo and the hockey podcast network on their respective streaming platforms social media platforms and their website as well on top of that make sure you're following us on facebook and instagram at straight up sabers and on twitter at straight sabers and make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on whatever you are listening to us on right now and Finally, make sure you're using DraftKings and taking on uh, taking that promo code THPN and using that towards any bets that you are looking to put in this week. I'm not a betting person, hence why my language on that did not make any sense there, but you get the idea. <laughs> Go bet. So with that being said, though, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you in 2022.